0: When Aloe was born in 1875, Nigerian artists were not interviewed and profiled. Their work was not documented with bills of sale for authentication. Largely what we know of Aloe comes to us from the traditional oral history, from a Noriki praise song, and of course from the recollections of his descendants. Of course, while the human memory is notoriously unreliable in the details, and people often call into question the accuracy of oral histories, one thing we know for certain, from the historical record the legacy of work left behind, of Avisei was an amazing artist. I feel like who art ed? we we'll splice it. Who art ed? We'll Mr. Wood art <laughs> ed me. Yeah. Either way, it, it's <laughs> ambig- It worked I know. Welcome to Who Arted, where we explore visual arts in an audio medium. I'm your host, Kyle Wood, and for this week's Fun Fact Friday, we're going to be talking about Aloe of Issei and his veranda post, which is part of the collection at the Art Institute of Chicago. Aloe was born in Efan Aie, a town in Nigeria that was the center of Yoruba art. At an early age, he moved to Issei where he spent most of his life. He served as a court messenger for the king. We don't know exactly when or where he developed his wood carving skills. His family said he was largely self-taught, though some say that when his talent was noticed, he likely would have served as an apprentice under a master carver to learn the traditional Yoruba canon and hone his skills. Eventually, he became a master carver himself and opened his own workshop. The bulk of Aloe's carvings seem to have been both decorative and functional artworks for the Yoruba kings and prominent families. One of his celebrated works, for example, is the veranda post that sits in the collection at the Art Institute of Chicago. In that piece, we see the elongated neck and oval faces that were part of his signature style. Traditional Yoruba artists used scale and proportion to indicate hierarchy. The more important a figure, the larger they were within the composition. The status of the king's senior wife is shown by her size, while the king is seated central to the post. His crown is eye-level to the viewer, and the king sits with his feet up above the ground, signifying his transcendent nature. His eyes are cast down, expressing a contemplative mood, as he looks down on the world beyond. The crown has four ancestral faces, signifying the legitimacy of his royal lineage, the divine line, and the wisdom running through it. In looking at the work, I'm amazed at all the competing forces being balanced. Aloe's work is loaded with symbolism, but it was also literally load-bearing. The veranda posts were structural supports, and he needed to be mindful of the function as he created the forms. This makes it all the more remarkable when you consider the negative spaces in the sculpture. While most artists would carve a relief sculpture showing some portion of the figure raised on the surface, Aloe would carve all the way around each figure, bringing several figures out of the single piece of hardwood, each fully articulated and distinct, and yet tied together in one functional work of art. I think one of the aspects that I appreciate most is the connections among the figures in this piece. They're obviously literally connected, as the wooden figures are carved from a single post to form a structural support, but there's also a sense of community. The importance of the head wife is suggested by her size in the piece. Her eyes are bulging and an indication of her connection with the spirits. Female figures would often be depicted with bulging eyes as a sign of spiritual inhabitants. Her connection to the ancestors made her an important figure and a powerful advisor to the king. She's towering over him, hands on the back of his chair, and the chair is resting against her waist. Now, the king is seated at what would be eye level with people gathered on the veranda. At the base of the post, below the king, there were three smaller figures. One of them broke off, but there are still two remaining. One is a flute player representing a trickster god, and the second is a female figure that I have seen described as a, quote, junior wife. I think the best description that I've heard of this piece as a whole, though, came from Laura Allison of the Art Institute of Chicago, who explained that this piece is about community. The way that people have to connect with one another and serve each other so that the kingdom can be successful and productive. Her description really made me think about how the arts function in a community. We often categorize art in different ways. A piece like Aloe's Veranda Post could easily be displayed in a museum as an artifact rather than a piece of fine art. We often overlook functional objects, and few of us know the names of industrial designers, but their work makes our world. Aloy Avise was an incredibly talented artist who created a symbolic representation of the interdependent roles people occupied within the community. But seeing such an elaborately crafted functional object reminds me that everything we interact with, from the chair you sit on to the software on your favorite podcast app, where, just as an aside, you should be following Who Arted and making sure to leave a five-star rating or review. But all of these things, the physical furniture, the homes we live in, the buildings we work in, the devices we work with... It all had to be designed and developed by someone, or rather numerous people, contributing different pieces. I would encourage you to take time to be mindful of all the things that you have and appreciate the creativity and craftsmanship, the hard work that goes into every little thing holding it all together.